Well, that went badly. Thank you for the one, Gareth, sir. That really, that really helped. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a reading of Dave's new one-act play. For those of you who saw the reviews out of uh, Melbourne, uh, hopefully it won't be that bad. It made a lot of people cry. Yep. Uh, but penguins are fucking assholes. Nope. Not true. Um, and uh, it turns out you guys did some really bad shit to penguins. Oh, oh boy. What's happening? Don't. Okay, everything's fine. Alrighty. Uh, Hello. First of all, I want to say uh, great, great Pokemon uh, here. You guys have a great Pokemon city. I don't know. Adelaide was fucking shit. But the just, Pokemon just for Pokemon. But the, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else happened there. Uh, but the Pokemon are... You guys are great. Yep, so there's the compliment for the night. Now tear uh, them down. I haven't, seen, I haven't really seen anything else. Uh, I went across one of your bridges. It worked. It was a working bridge. It definitely worked. There's pink on it, right? That's, that's exciting. That was big for you guys. You guys put pink on a bridge? Yeah, that's cool. These beers are going to get warm. Sure. Okay, well... This is a uh, this, this is the dollop. This is a uh, bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I read a story from American history to my friend... Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. What's up? I'm batting my eyes. Your eyes just did some fucking weird shit. I'm having a seizure. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a guest. Uh, this evening, he is uh, fucking hilarious, and if you've never seen him do stand-up, shame on you. I mean that. Easy on the eyes, too. Easy, Easy on the on eyes. Easy on the eyes. I see some of you guys... Little Cody. Some of you guys have beards, but you do not have a beard like this. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Cody! Oh, good. Uh, oh, I thought those were just for me to put beers for you in. He fucking comes Here's with Here's the, the bucket. Cody bucket. G'day. Oh, and then... <laughs> you no, continue keep later. Them. Keep doing them. <laughs> One at a time. That'll do. I'm, I'm almost done looking up the guy's name. <laughs> okay. Good vamping. I'm trying to, you know, this is my first time uh, live on stage. <laughs> Go ahead and talk, assholes. <laughs> Jesus Christ, can you guys help out a little bit? Just cool watching an old man play with technology. <laughs> this is definitely Pokemon related. He's like, I'm looking up the name. Where's the green one? Where's that green? He's out there. He's right out there. Now, the bridge we went over was the Story Bridge. Mm, well, it's a good bridge. There's and a, a good story they talk about. I believe. There is? All right. No, because I've been places before where I'm like... No, no, no. Right that... now, right now. Oh, they fucking went away. But you guys saw them. There were three there at once. Yeah. No, that's good. No, get everyone involved. I mean, your city's crazy. Yeah. Oh, we've seen all the sites. Your Pokemon, the list goes on and on. The bridge? The bridge, the Pokemon, the list goes on and on. Anyway, uh, I would like to thank uh, Evan. Bittner. 
Uh, yeah. Drop it out of the research, or else uh, this wouldn't happen because uh, I'm not going to do research anymore. Kevin, 1860. <laughs> I think. Okay. Because the early details of William James Chinley's life are uh, scant. We don't know when he was born. Sure. We're assuming. William Chinley. Chidley. 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 You should know about him. You should. I should, should I? Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. Uh, it was believed that he was born in uh, Melbourne in uh, 1860. For whatever reason, he was an orphan right off the bat. So they were like, you're not, we don't... I think I know like the he, reason. He came out. They were like, fuck this, no. Yeah. He came out and they were like, uh, no. Mm. That's an ugly baby when both parents just top themselves as soon as it... Yeah. I'm not claiming that, me either. Yeah. <laughs> I like how that's how it went. CC's a brain stack. How do you? Wow, I didn't know. I didn't know that's what happened, but that's fucking crazy. Yeah. The doctor was like, "You could have just left." We can't have a share. Too late now. Yes. Uh, young William was adopted by a toy shop owner. It's perfect. John James Chidley and uh, his wife Maria. That works out, because his last name was Chidley. So they were like, a Chidley? Yeah. Fucking boom! Fucking kids love toys as well. Yeah. We have nine of this. Yeah. Match made in heaven. It's <laughs> going through Chidlehood. Uh, <laughs> that really, you, you find out the pun lovers in the... Yeah! I sussed them out early. Smoke them out. Get my peeps. The people who go to Will Anderson shows. Uh, the Chidleys went uh, adoption crazy at that point, adopting three girls and another boy, and then they returned to England for several years in the early 1860s. When they came back to Melbourne, William's father was self-employed as a photographer, traveling around a lot, working in many different locations with his horse-drawn studio, and barely, barely making. Hold that pose. Hold that. Hold it. Stay there. Am I moving too? This guy just loves doing difficult shit. Yeah. Like, it's hard enough to travel with kids now. Yeah. Let alone, let's get five that aren't ours and go to England. Fuck it, why not? What an easy trip. So he's not making much money. Uh, for some reason, the horse-drawn studio wasn't yeah. paying off. It's weird. As you would think it would. It's weird. Headshots were big back then. The Chidleys belonged to a New Age sect devoted to the teaching of Swedish philosopher Emanuel Swedenborg. That guy's Swedish? (laughs) Swedenborg is Swedish? It's crazy. They practiced free love? (laughs) And they raised... No? Well, what does that mean exactly? They practice free. Like he I think could. They, I think you could. They, you could fuck whatever. Okay, so they were. They had an open. It's, it's complicated on Facebook relationship. 
Yeah, I think I think that they were in. A, it sounds like they're in a little bit of a cult. I mean, if it's called a sect, and there's free love, then uh, people are fucking everybody. Okay, it's, it's the general rule of things. All right, uh, we should hit that later. <laughs> <laughs> and the they raised chapter. Yeah. the Brisbane chapter. We got a story for your bridge. <laughs> Uh, they also raised young William as a vegetarian. Is this, is this what it was about? Let's fly Cody two hours away from his house and then give him some vegetarian shit. That'll get him really annoyed. This is what it's about. You know, I'm pro-vegetarian, Nick. I, uh, this is awkward. I, uh, I know. I know. You're a good lad. Thank you. Ow! <laughs> I gotta go get proteins. I just, uh, I only uh, eat what I catch, so Pokemon. <laughs> I had the best dratini. Uh, oh, unbelievable. William attended various schools, at least four in Melbourne, and uh, finished his education at the age of 13. Pretty standard back yeah, then. Yeah, no. Everybody seemed to finish at 13. Probably a doctor by that point, right? By those yep. standards then. That was just his formal education, though. He continued his own education by devouring books in public libraries. So he was eating books. <laughs> I know everything! No, no, William. Not how it works. Then why is it a hunger for knowledge? No, no, no. I'm full of facts! You know nothing more than you did five minutes ago. You're gonna, you're gonna take a weird shit. That is one fact. <laughs> Shits are smart, William. <laughs> Alphabet poop! <laughs> I'm not done reading my shit. You take a paperweight with you? No! I stick around ten minutes after and catch up. <laughs> he attempted to uh, be an apprentice and uh, for both a solicitor and an architect, but failed at both. Sounds like the education was going well. Yep. He also worked for his father and learned photography. William eventually... <laughs> the way you do it unsuccessfully, son, is get it in a wobbly carriage. You learn everything? Eat more books. Uh, so uh, he eventually followed in his father's footsteps, becoming a photographer as well as a painter and an illustrator. Okay. He had a special talent for sketching people's likenesses. Okay. Yeah. But something was haunting William. As a teen, William had enormous guilt over his frequent masturbation. Put that one on ice, David. And I saw these. And I saw them. So, he was a chronic masturbator? Because those years good. are pretty weird as a teenager anyway. I mean, you it really... It just sounds like being a teenager. Yeah. But... I mean, if you're doing it right... Yeah, you're going to have guilt over it. I mean... <laughs> I just had questions. You have questions? I had questions. When I was starting my career as a masturbator. Oh, oh you had questions like, what's happening? Why yeah, am I doing this? this so much? Is this okay? I guess that is guilt. Yeah. Going to hell. Yeah. I tried to draw somebody and jerk off over the drawing. Did anybody do that? You have to be really good at drawing. Nah, you gotta. <laughs> nah, just stick figures. 
Daddy's gonna make some glue for my picture. <laughs> Drawing. Oh, imagine. God, I'm a good artist. I can't believe that's only a thing I did. That's a real rough way to You really it. would draw, you would draw I drew, like, drew a lady and then tried to jerk off over it. How, how, wait a minute. What era how, was this? How poor? Was this the 1860s? Yeah, how poor were you? <laughs> Where? It was at the, like, I'm only 29, so it was like pictures would just, you know, you try and download a picture, it'd be like line oh, yeah. by line. Yeah. yeah, it takes a while, draw just, something. Just, just get to there. Yeah. Just get to there on Jerry Harrowell and go, that'll do. Yeah. So you took out the old pen. Yeah. Fill in the rest. Oh, ginger spice. You're going to get it today. Or are you ginger spice or sloth from the Goonies? Either way, you're Nick's tonight. You are Nick's tonight, baby. Oh, Adelaide, what happened? So back then, masturbation was seriously frowned upon, and it was believed jerking off would lead to madness. In the... Again. Kind of does. Again, if you're doing it right. Uh, In the 1800s, masturbation was linked to a broad range of physical and mental problems, from general debility to tuberculosis, epilepsy, madness, impotence, and death. You got a little TB from the NBA. Feels yeah. like you're having all of those right at the end, if you've done it right. Just <laughs> <laughs> ah. hey, hey. <laughs> Your boy masturba- masturbated until he got typhoid, so... <laughs> worth it! Yeah. All he can say is worth it. <laughs> Have you seen his drawings? They are... Yeah. Not as good now. <laughs> Linking uh, guilt with sex would continue into William's adult life as he began a, quote, wild life filled with sex and alcohol. William was crazy into sex. Okay. William moved to Adelaide in 1880 where he he couldn't get a sandwich on a Sunday. I mean... How boring was it then? Who makes Japanese... Did you know that there's Japanese pizza? What? Yeah, exactly. What? I'm looking for fucking food. I go, I go, there's a Japanese place that's pizza. And then there's a picture of it. I'm like, what the fuck is that? That doesn't even look like, that's crazy. The Japanese pizza. I love that that's now the weirdest thing said so far. It's like, I drew a lady and jerked off. Whoa, 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 hold on. Dave's talking about Japanese pizza. You're fine. Well, there was a woman over here wondering, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, he moves to Adelaide where he made a living doing watercolor and crab portraits. Oh, I know someone who's turned on. <laughs> you gonna be all right? You gonna be all right? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I sit down. I sit down. Let's get that corona. Then one night in October of 1882, William was out with his uh, canvasser, Arthur Sadler. The two men hired a horse-drawn cab close to midnight. Just after the ride began, they saw a fight between two people who they didn't know, Thomas Maloney and Marianne Hewitt. So in true Australian style, they're just going down the road and they see a man and a woman boxing. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that, that's, that's my, my best mate's name, Thomas Maloney. It's, it's good to see that even the versions of him in the past yeah. still act the same way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Back to the Future 3. Uh, William and Arthur told the cab to stop. Arthur jumped from the cab and started to defend the woman by fighting with Maloney. He then called William to come and help him because apparently William stayed in the cab. <laughs> I'm going to so, masturbate while you do that. Very guilty, though. I feel bad about this. Break it up for like five to six minutes. So William then joined in, and together they tackled Maloney. Maloney then went into the middle of the road and started throwing stones at William and Arthur. It's a good fight. <laughs> at that point, another guy showed up who was apparently a friend of the woman's, and he started fighting Maloney. Maloney then fell unconscious and was taken to the hospital where he died. So they killed Maloney. <laughs> Yeah, but Maloney sounds like was, you're blaming Medicare yeah. at the end. <laughs> but can we all agree Maloney was kind of a piece of shit? Oh, massively. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah, does sound yes, like just yes, a gang yes, beating. Piece of shit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those things where you're like, ah, oh, we oh. took a turn. <laughs> supposed to save the woman. Well, they did save the woman. Yeah, they killed a man. I mean, things things have to happen. Yeah, eggs omelets. I get it. <laughs> Uh, William and Arthur were charged with the murder of Maloney. They evaded the, uh, the warrants for their arrest for several days, but were finally taken into custody. The city coroner's court determined the crime was manslaughter, so they waited in jail for their trial for the next Supreme Court sittings. The evidence produced at trial was that Maloney died from inflation of the brain due to skull injuries from a, quote, fall onto the rail or stone, but not a blow from a fist or an ordinary boot. Well, <laughs> what about a rail boot? Yeah, if you trace it back far enough, didn't a boot make the rail happen? I won't play lawyer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't headbutting the road. Yeah. Oh God, what are you doing? Show you. We'll learn. <laughs> the evidence indicated that an unknown man had been fighting Maloney prior oh, to wow. William and Arthur showing up and to his collapse on the newly lane tram tracks. So he, was, he had been in a fight with somebody else before. This guy was making the rounds. Yeah, this guy, he yeah. was going to die. This, he was going to die on this time. <laughs> That's not his thing. So Maloney had uh, been in a previous brawl that had killed him. It was not uh, from when he was fighting a lady or anybody else. The Chief Justice found the evidence was strongly in favor of the defendants and overturned the manslaughter charge. Arthur and William's lawyer was Charles Kingston, a man who had a huge sexual appetite like William. Oh, boy. I mean, wow. The other guy was like, can we talk about the facts? Like, hold on! Let's talk Maybe about Maybe use your left hand after you sat on it for a while. I love doing that. You ever draw pictures of a lady in church? Me either. <laughs> Just holding it and riding in a horse cart would do the job, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, fuck those new paved roads. I don't want to hear it. Hit the potholes, guys. Hit the potholes. Take the long way. Hit every pothole. <laughs> Kingston would go on to have five Ill illegitimate children and to become the premier of South Australia. <laughs> About right? Yep. 
So, uh, thanks to a guy who really liked to fuck, our guy who really liked to fuck was found not guilty. So when he got out of prison, William decided to become an actor. Right? Always a good call. What else do you do at that point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I jerk off a lot, I murdered, I'm gonna act. <laughs> and he joined the newly established Adelaide Theatre Company. There he met a young actress, Ada Grantley. Soon they began a relationship, although Ada was legally married to Walter Toms. Her husband was said to be a violent man who she married 18 and separated from soon after. William and Ada's relationship was not a great one either. They both drank and drank and drank. And they, they, they killed the ex-husband. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and killed the ex-husband. They were Australian? And they drank. And they're Australian? <laughs> Some Australian people drink. I'd love to meet them. Over the years they were together, which was turned out to be 25 years, they would separate many times, sometimes for up to two years at a time. They adopted a kid who it was believed uh, was hers from a pre- uh, her previous marriage. The couple moved all the time. They lived in Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, and Wellington, New Zealand. When they were separated, Ada would move back to her hometown of Adelaide. And in 1891, just about nine months after one of their separations, Ada had a son she named Donald Chidley. So nine months later. Okay. Young Donald came out. Sure. Hmm? Sure, sure, I agree. I'll, ex- I'll accept your fact. <laughs> I'll allow it. William was in Sydney the whole time, and when Donald was one uh, year old, the couple got back together. Now, Ada liked to drink. I mentioned that she yes. enjoyed drinking, but she was doing it uh, the way other people breathe. <laughs> Every moment to live? Pretty much. Wow. In a sleep? Yep. <laughs> All of it. It turns out Donald's birth was not as what it had been billed. In truth, William's actual son had been stillborn, which is very common at the time, as we all know from dollops. And just that a man of booze. The what? Surely that's not going to help. Yeah. Just those in that era. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't help. Surprised anyone. What do you think killed the baby? (laughs) Natural causes? Boy, I don't know what to think. <laughs> Should we have gin to celebrate? What has happened? Who knows what it- Oh my gin. god, a baby! Oh my god, it's Stan! <laughs> Whose is that? Oh my god. William! <laughs> we should have gin. But Ada didn't want to go home empty-handed, so she took a baby whose mother had died during childbirth. No, 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 what? not allowed. What? Not how it works. What? It is how it works. This one's broken. We demand a new one. I, he doesn't do anything like the others. We neglect to exchange him, and we do not have the receipt, or we'll take hospital credit. She, so you go to a hospital, and your baby dies, and then... in. And then a woman dies having her baby, the baby lives, then they're like, oh, you guys pair off. Yeah. Well, this, this worked out. Yeah, somebody, somebody who's had, somebody somebody who's had twins. twins. So, oh, we greedy. Yeah. You're going to have both of them, yeah. are you? Yeah. Fuck it yeah. Hell. Not so fast. We lost one. <laughs> you know how this works, don't you? Should we have gin? 
You have uh, twin boys, we have gin boys. Give me. William thought Donald was his actual child until he learned the truth when Donald was about nine years old. Uh, Ada died in 1908 of kidney failure, probably due no. to... Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. She was, was taking crazy. care of herself. Yeah. Teenagers jerking off and people that drink a lot die of kidney failure. The olden days were fucking weird. Yeah. Can't get my head around. <laughs> you miss when you like, didn't know facts like that, right? I'm dying from drinking? What kind of world is this? Uh, William did not take her death well. He blamed himself. He was overcome with extreme guilt. Thank you. <laughs> Feng Shui the table. Leave room for the dragon. Yeah. Why are there waters here? There's water in beer. Uh, so William blamed himself. He was overcome with extreme guilt and obsessive remorse for his sexual excesses during their relationship. He believed the signs of his improper and unnatural sex could be seen on her face, as in all the faces. You've been with someone long enough. I mean, as, as on all the faces of humanity. Oh, he was so he's, finishing everywhere. Yeah, he's... That guy needs a drink. Just fucking chill out, man. Uh, he still raised, raised Donald as his son, although he would beat him if he caught him masturbating and, and scold him for getting erections. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> out of your... I mean, part of, part of the puppet, it's out of your hands. He's 13. Yeah, he's 13. Another one? Oh, you're going to get it today. And then, as we all know, at that age, when you're like, don't get hard, don't get hard, it's like... But how much did that kid want to masturbate? He gets scolded for having an erection, and it's like, go to your room and think about what you did. Yeah. Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking Two minutes later, no, can, I, can I bring out a, a pencil and some paper? <laughs> <laughs> He's just writing boobs. That'll do. Writing boobs? Yeah. Boobs. Oh, yeah. Before calculators. Yeah. yeah. The old days. And you had to use a pencil like an animal. Yeah, yeah. Five, zero, <laughs> turn it upside down. Eight, zero, zero, eight, five. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if I could come up with a device that could write boobs faster with numbers. Sure, yeah, do math, do math, for sure, do math. But listen to me. For years, uh, William had been working on a theory to deal with what he thought was an inordinate amount of misery among the people he knew. That shouldn't take too long. If you punch people when they're jerking off, you might be the cause of it, mate. <laughs> Stop your drinking, woman, and hey, get your hand off your dick. It's like, oh, everyone was having fun to leave. What is it? Some of the ideas he came up with were vegetarianism, fresh air, and sunlight. Sunlight. That guy really... Was that the guy who was laughing, or...? <laughs> be amazing if it was. He's too funny. That guy leaves whenever he hears about sunlight. That's it, I'm out of here. Um, he also believed in unrestrictive clothing and criticizing the money-making and class. 
Wait, he, he wanted unrestricted clothing? Yep. Okay, so sounds like somebody's not done jerking off. Well, I think that, I think that, that he felt the, the clothing might, with the friction, be causing him boners. Oh, he wanted, like, hammer pants for everybody? Well, like, <laughs> like he wanted everybody in a muumu or something. Yeah. They're going to be the best to hide it, yeah. if anything. Muumus, you can probably, like, you know, sneak one under. Yeah. <laughs> I just made milk. In my moo <laughs> Guys, we're all adults here. Let's... <laughs> and he also came to believe that there was a correct method of intercourse that would take place only in the spring and between true lovers only. only so for two months is what he... It was his time frame. Two yes. months. Spring racing carnival. We've got it now. <laughs> So wait, he thought that there two months out of the year were good for fucking? Yep. Okay. Cool. Spring months. He believed that his sexual theory was the answer to all the ills for mankind. Well, that's a problem, right off the bat. I mean, you don't know. It could, it could it's be It's an right. issue. No, it's an issue. Have you ever tried just fucking in the springtime? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. So then I'll follow up with summer and yeah. winter and autumn. The problem is you get addicted to that, that, that <laughs> yeah. schedule, yeah. the seasonal schedule. Yeah. So then, you'd, you know, you'd go, you'd be like, all right, just spring and summer. Ah, fall. Winters, no. Man, spring's almost right there. Spring's right around the corner. Speaking of springs. Since uh, this would obviously have a huge effect on all of mankind, he reluctantly resolved to, quote, go on the active warpath and spread the word. He wanted to change the sexual culture of early 20th century Australia. So, in 1911, he began to publicly advocate his theories for sexual intercourse. He printed up pamphlets titled The Answer. That's pretty vague. I'd love the answer. You fucking pervert! The answer. He walked down the streets of Melbourne, handing them out, uh... They described a life of nudity, a diet of fruits and nuts. And well, I mean, that's going to come with nudity. <laughs> it's only the answer if the question is, do you really want to be bored nine months of the year? And hungry. <laughs> lots of sunlight. you got a good tan. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and it also described the correct method of sexual intercourse. Oh, uh, yes. The... <laughs> The bearded William Achille would roam the streets dressed only in a short white tunic with... A short white tunic? Yeah. Gotta show off the gams. He copied the, the Greek style. Uh, and he had uh, a bare head, legs, arms, and feet. He was trying to uh, emulate the ancient Greeks. He would explain his theory to anyone who would listen telling them his observations were based on the sexual life of a horse. Okay, so we just have been hit with a lot. Uh, So he dressed like Caesar, and he thought that horse fucking was the answer. Guys, bad news if you get a broken leg. I'm sorry, there's no... And by the way, when you're both done, you sleep standing up. You know the deal. Now, who wants oats? 
Not surprisingly, Williams' beliefs were pretty much the complete opposite of mainstream Australian beliefs at the time. But when a guy in a tunic hands you a pamphlet called The Answer, it's about living nude and fucking like a horse. How do you not sign up? This shit just makes sense. Don't look at me, I'm on board. Oh, God. At that point, sex was uh, believed it should be heterosexual, monogamous, and reproductive. Pretty much all those who led society, doctors to church, feminist governments, were all in agreement on the way sex worked in society. It had nothing to do with horses. Socialites believed uh, society's beliefs were best defined by Walter Balls Headley. Okay, all right, okay. Okay, all right. Uh, let's just... Let's take a time. So this guy's name again, Walter Balls? Walter Balls Headley. Walter Balls Head Lee? Yeah. Could his name just be Dick Sucker? Yeah. And he's, his sidekick, Mutt McGillicuddy, also hates him. It's gonna take me a minute on this guy's name. His name was Balls? Walter Balls Headley. Balls. Balls Headley. B-A-L-L-S hyphenated Headley. Balls Headley. What a wedding. I'm about to get married and, you know, the discussion of the surname comes up. If your yeah. surname is Balls, you just go, fucking sweet, it ends here, doesn't it? You know, you go, no, Balls Headley. <laughs> you get all that. Yeah. You're lucky. What are you bringing to the table? Vagina Schmidt. <laughs> I'm Sally Overy Balls Hadley. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, back to Balls Hadley. <laughs> Balls Hadley was a... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and if I'm being honest, I could have just not put him in here at all. But I ran across his name and I went, well... That's the same with any balls, though. <laughs> Balls Headley was a Cambridge-educated physician and lecturer at the University of uh, Melbourne on midwifery and women's diseases. Uh, Professor Balls! Uh, One more question about the woman and the female anatomy. Are you just, are you just answering generic questions or are we going to get to the base, Dr. Balls, please? We will get to the base. Let's focus... On the shaft of the problem. <laughs> we'll slowly move down the shaft to the base. Dr. Shaft Anus. Professor Shaft Anus to walk you through that. His teachings were in total opposition with William's street teachings in. I hope this is 1884. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this date out because I wrote 1984 and there's no way that's real. <laughs> Bit of a time jump. In some year, Balls... <laughs> Balls Heedley published The Evolution of the Diseases of Women. In it, he condemned late marriage, comfort, socialism, strike action, and women's taste for tight 
lacing, and education. <laughs> I mean, I, I, maybe just real quick, the list one more time. Uh, uh, he condemned late marriage. Late marriage, okay. Com- comfort. Comfort is amazing. No comfort! Don't you lay down! Socialism. Strikes. Uh, strikes. It's amazing that comfort is the second thing. <laughs> and women's taste for tight lacing and education. Which go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, he's, he's trying to teach this, and he's saying education is the it's a vicious catch-22. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> what, you know what makes me sick? This. You asking that question. The last thing the classroom wants to do is learn. <laughs> All right. Unlace him. He saw no reason why sexual, why sexual satisfaction and baby making should be delayed to a late age. Quote, neither animals nor natives delayed marriage and childbearing so unnaturally, nor did they wear tight-fitting dresses. Animals don't, actually. That is very true. Uh, I don't know. I've seen, some, I've seen a few pigs in... Uh, in a pretty nice dress. But Enough my, uncle, my uncle had a weird farm. But we, we our pigs were wearing dresses. And ca- cows are actually wearing a future great leather dress that they don't even know yet. <laughs> it's true. It's the movement. Somewhere Will Anderson just saw a shooting star. Uh, in Balls Headley, in Balls Headley's world, women existed to bear children, and the man's role was to provide for them. It's amazing a man with the name Balls felt like that. Yeah, really seriously. This meant that women with an education were a serious problem. Quote, high mental culture is antagonistic to sexual health development and childbearing. These women, who are apt to be highly attractive by their refinement of feeling and appearance, are frequently devoid of sexual appetite of any kind. So if you get learned, like if, you, if your brain starts working, your vagina shuts down. Pick a side. It's called... Yeah. Either science. or, ladies. Which end do you want working? <laughs> Pick. You don't get both. You heard it from balls. Paul Sandley's teaching this. A name you can trust. Balls. Now, Balls Headley was a distinguished professional with steps. He moved in all the right circles and could influence. Meanwhile, William Chidley was a weird street guy, not dressed to conform with the times and had little formal education. The influential influential people of Australia were offended that some lower-class tunic wearer was telling people how to do sex. Who do you listen to? Yeah. The guy whose balls, balls you can see or the one who's named balls? It's hard. Yeah. Isn't it? It's very hard. Isn't it just? It's hard. Okay. I'm about to beat and reprimand you. 
Wayne's theory was born out of his reading uh, and his very active but very guilt-ridden sex life. He believed there was something profoundly wrong with the way in which modern people had sex. According to William, the introduction of an erect penis into a vagina was unnatural and produced shocks to both men and women that led to their physical and mental deterioration. That, that does sound like a guy that drinks a lot. You meant to sum it in. He just had whiskey there. Take your erection, you show off, and fucking hit the bricks. How dare you put it inside of her? He explained in his 1911 pamphlet the answer, quote, Oh, joy. <laughs> There's no way this isn't a t-shirt. The crowbar has no place in physiology. The crowbar is what he called heterosexual penetra- penetrative sex. Wow. It means penis and vagina. Rooting. He called it the crowbar. The crowbar. Crowbar. Because he was uh, very romantic. He must have freaked out when he heard how some people break into cars. <laughs> They're doing what? You just fuck your missus next to him? The door unlocks? What? Wait, what do you think a crowbar is? What do you think a crowbar is? It's when the naughty goes in the naughty. How are they opening cars? Oh, God. Take a pamphlet called The Answer. <laughs> I'm Street Caesar. (laughs) Have you guys heard the crazy theories of Ball Headley? Yeah, me too. Okay, I'm from Greece. Now listen close. Okay, now as we know, William believes sex should only happen in the spring. That was because... Crowbar. Because in the spring, that's when the vagina would act as a vacuum. You gotta be careful with those. (laughs) Slippery slope. Make sure it's on hardwood floors, not carpet. (laughs) Trust me, though. It would act as a vacuum in the spring and then draw the flaccid penis inside. Wait. (laughs) You think it's... Huh? It, like, gets gets beamed up? It's... In the spring, the vagina vacuums the penis in? Yeah. Flaccid penis. It's a a classic Australian poem. When the magpie swoops, it's time for crowbarring. (laughs) We'll be at the crowbar right after this, by the way. Okay, (laughs) back to the normal thing you were saying. Sorry. From what distance will it... (laughs) That's a good question. What's the radius on this? That's a good question. Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, God! Run! It's like a limbo contest. (laughs) Sarah, can't pull away. (laughs) (laughs) He, of course, uh, bases views on uh, observations of the animal kingdom, particularly horses. What? I don't think he's. I don't think he's seen horses. Yeah. yeah. 
And otherwise, again, 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 the spring racing carnival would be fucking weird. Also, at some point, you're like, sir, are you going to make a bet? No. That's not why I'm here. The track's that way. I know which way the track is. I like to see them when they're done. And you know what I mean. How can I bet they're all winners? Except for him. There must be so much fucking going on in that barn. Written excerpt, quote. The world will be saved by true lovers who consummate their marriage in the natural way described in this book. For many years, the writer has seen that the way the human race has coitus is unnatural. It is a perverted and secondary mode of coition. 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 More coition for the coition. Proceed with coition. Coition, it's springtime. She'll suck you in. From up, from up to three metres away. Coition, she's a, she's a horse vacuum. He was forced to this conclusion in the first place by noti- noticing that even after one act of coition. Is it like a coitus? It's, coitus. it's his version of coitus? C-O-I-T-I-O-N. Anybody else? Yeah, that is coit- that. It's coitus. I can't believe I'm thinking I can't believe I'm thinking can't we just call it crowbarring again yeah. <laughs> takes a lot to miss crowbarring yeah. it's when the, when the world makes you want a koi bar <laughs> quote what then you ask is our error there's only one answer the erection of male organ and forcible entrance is unnatural the female womb and vagina when active and erect with the sphincter closed has the power of suck well, sorry, sorry. You, I don't. This will be the last time. Read that again. The female womb and vagina, when active and erect, with the sphincter when, when, closed. The, now he's the saying that closed. the vagina is erect. Yeah. Okay. And with the sphincter closed, so, so, like, because if you have a vacuum, there can't be a, a hole on the other part, uh, other, end, other end. Because then it's not a vacuum; it has to be closed. So his. So if she, if if the lady, and tell me if I'm wrong, ladies. <laughs> so she, when she closes her uh, sphincter, then it creates a vacuum, um, causing the suction to a force crowbarring or a coition. It's uh, it's science. So with the sphincter closed, has the power of suck the unerect penis, the unerect penis in. So we're yeah, no, no, the penis, penis was fine before that sphincter closed up. You did this. <laughs> they are manipulating it naturally to erection and emission, which is a passing phase normally. This is the simple secret that solves all of our troubles. <laughs> this wouldn't have made Oprah's book club, I don't think. This is how do women feel about it? They all hate it. Every woman hates this book. Hey, is your asshole tight? Yeah, it's closed. All right, well, you've got a limp dick coming at you right now. <laughs> well, the reason the limp dick isn't going in is because your asshole's open. Do you get it? You see what's happening? Yeah. 
Anyway, come back to my yoga class. Anyway, we'll be selling corks. <laughs> we sell corks. So he thought a penis should eject as late as, as possible when it was erect. If it, it didn't, health problems would arise. It should eject. It's if you're in it. Oh, it should be ejaculated. It should be ejaculated, but it's auto-corrected to eject and late. Eject late. So My seat won't get off! You're ejecting late, goose! It's, it's when, when the lady, lady puts, puts on, on the, the reverse thrusters and yeah. pushes you away from it instead of dragging you in. So, so uh, I think I get it. I, I okay. He thought a penis should ejaculate as soon as it was erect, right? Yeah. If it didn't, health problems would arise. So getting erect inside the vagina was the way to go. That's why he wanted a flaccid penis to go in. Here's the first thing that makes sense. You've got to come in a lady to make a baby. You heard it here first. But he wants Trick a man. flaccid dick inside? Yeah, because he doesn't think... The longer so you're erect... to open a door with, like, spaghetti? <laughs> okay. That's a fair question. I mean, we've all tried it, but, but it doesn't... Not, but... Eventually, you're, you're just, just like, like, we're too drunk. There's no, but you're thinking... <laughs> but you're thinking the door is opening, the penis is opening the door, the spaghetti. No, the spaghetti's but, not opening the door. No, the, the spaghetti's being sucked into the door because the anus is shut. So yeah. the, the, the flaccid penis gets sucked into the vagina because the sphincter's shut. Correct. And, and that's and, the right hand to eject light. And it's spring. Yeah. Okay, so it's all... <laughs> and then it grows. You just slowly get erect inside that's your right. partner. Yeah. So like, this is boring. Wait two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you're not watering it right. <laughs> and then as soon as you're erect, then that's when you ejaculate. Right because, away. Because, right you away. Don't, because the time uh, uh, where you're erect and you're plodding around to get in the vagina... That's the, the problem. Is, that's the problem. That's what leads to health issues. Okay, so this was a, uh, his theory was great for women and sex. Yes. Oh, good. It's flaccid and you're done. Oh, the best of both worlds. Oh, I didn't think that was possible until I met you. Good thing I bought that cork. Good God. What, Chinese? And he's the one whose wife drank all the time, right? <laughs> she had whiskey puss. <laughs> I can't get it open. Sweet God. See if I can just suck it in. <laughs> Baby. Tell people of my theory. That's like trying to vacuum when the bag's full. You're like, it's on, but there's nothing. There's no pressure. Nothing's going into this. But that might be because your anus is open. How it is. Williams believed a woman became aroused when she was in the arms of a man she loved. Quote, and with the sphincter closed. This dude is really... And with the sphincter closed, it must form a vacuum. Now... Now, in nature, everything has a purpose, and the purpose of a vacuum is suction. It is the same sphincter, however, that has the power of suddenly opening and closing. The winking of the vulva, it has been called. 
the winking. And this brings us to the horse. Always a good segue. Quote, a male horse does not force an entrance to the mare. His organ is curved and would bend on itself if pressed with force against anything. He lightly touches the mare here and there until he reaches the right spot when, if she is ready, you can see her organ play open and receive this. If she is not ready, no coitus takes place. Jesus Christ. I mean, at some point you just have to stop watching horses fuck. Yeah. I'm still working on my theory. I thought that bloke from Seattle loved horses the most, but oh. that is a joke for a few people. For the rest of you, yeah. don't go and yeah. YouTube that. Yeah. Because don't you'll never be Mr. the same. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting there like, like in a tunic, just like, oh, that's interesting. Can you get off my farm? Uh, what do you mean, get off? Because <laughs> yes, and no. Then he goes to a place that no man should go. Quote, boys of two and three years old have erections. Babies have erections. This proves that erections are not natural. They serve no purpose. They very often ruin the boy's life. I know one boy specifically who shall remain nameless, whose life was ruined by this. He's a good friend of mine. No good. They call him Baby Hard Eyes. Oh, it's a boy. And who is it ever? He is ready to roll, ma'am. That is something, by the way, when you have kids, that is very shocking when you take off a diaper and a baby has a boner. Because you're like, I didn't do anything! I was here! Sorry. As a man with a cat, babies get boners? Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Babies. Babies get boners because it's just a, it's, it's there's nothing sexual about it. It just like what are they drawing? <laughs> <laughs> That's true though. You'll take off a diaper and your kids just like yeah, it's not like it's not like you're you're hard on weights until it's eight or nine. It's like oh let's do this. I thought mine did. It's just it's just fucking natural. The blood goes in there. Something rubs against it. Probably a diaper, and they get a fucking boner. And they don't they don't know. They're, to them it's like you know. Having a tongue. They're fucking stupid. (laughs) Babies are stupid, they get boners. And then they blame you. And then everyone's like, what are you doing? And you're like, I just took off the diaper! That was a blame! I didn't do anything! (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the baby blames you for that. That's weird first words. (laughs) That was my my son's first words were, uh, that's not on you. Shocking. Okay, so Williams believed that since baby erections didn't serve a purpose, then they were an inherited weakness. Since man's thoughts could produce an erection, babies are an inherited weakness. Look at you with your look at you with your hard dick, you soft cock. It's a goddamn weakness. Look at you laying there doing nothing hard. You weirdo. Get a job. 
put a little leafy crown on you, you can hand out pamphlets. Since man's thoughts could produce an erection, then man could control his erection, and that's why he believed a healthy tone of body and mind, and the more healthy you were, the less likely an erection. And well, there, there was this, quote, there are no straight lines in nature, whereas an erect penis is quite straight. Then where's it from? Problems all over the place. Then where are bonus from? It yeah. means like there's none in nature. Aliens delivered all these dicks. <laughs> Put them in. Nothing in nature. Look at your penis from nature. <laughs> but he's saying that that's not natural. Sure. He's saying that he said the penis is an ugly thing and we are all ashamed of it. Well, that's not, yeah. not true. <laughs> He's got a point. He's got it's, what we like got. It. it's our front tail. <laughs> he recommended putting a wire cover over the testicles and penis in order to stop an erection. Jesus. Trust me, does not work. <laughs> Dave, a wire. Okay. This is a lot. A wire cover. Okay. Naturally, this all concluded with the overall health of a person. He believed erections that occurred sans woman were the cause of all disease, crime, and deformity, and contradictions of the spirit. If you disagreed with this theory and wanted to prove it wrong, you had to explain why the following occurred. Oh, joy. Erections through disease of the spine and cerebrum. What? Yeah. Try to, try to prove why that happens. Erections through the spine? Through disease of the spine. Erections through disease of the spine. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> Juvenile two. We're on to two now. We're done. I put a pin in one. <laughs> two. Juvenile erections in babies and boys two and three years old. We already covered that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, three. Erections of the onanus. This apparently means... That's Oprah's network. Bon <laughs> I did make the book club. <laughs> See? That's, that's apparently means, you know, hard on you get while you're masturbating alone. Oh, 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 oh. oh that, is a, that is a problem with the masturbating. Sometimes when I masturbate, I get hard. I'm like, what is happening here? It's not natural. I'm just trying to lotion you up. Make you young before bed. You gotta go commit a crime. Yeah. Uh, five erections of the invert. Yeah, no, the inside boners will get you. <laughs> Poke your tummy. Uh, nocturnal emissions. Sure, yeah. And erection ca erections caused by lewd thoughts or pictures a thousand miles from any woman. <laughs> or drawings, or drawings. <laughs> so he, I can honestly remember the drawing. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get the legs right. Hey... That's what, God's like job. Big or small, or they just didn't work? Almost too big, I think. Like, like fucking deadlifting or something. Yeah. So you had a thing for centaur, ladies. Ah, <laughs> uh, it takes forever to draw these pan flutes. But were there, like, big boobs? Like, there were there... Did you draw big boobs on this lady? Yeah, they were titties. I'm not a weirdo. Come on. Yeah. Oh, and trust me, she had a huge rack, bro. <laughs> but what, what would you do for the, for the vagina area? No, what? I didn't know what happened there. It was just a question mark. He was like, I'll fill you in later. Literally. To be continued. I just wrote that. He's still, he's still doing that when he's 17. Someone just tell me. What is it? 
Oh, I know the sphincter's a vacuum, but it's what's the front that eludes me. So, to break down this entire theory, too much sex is bad, everyone is doing it wrong, which is why people are unhappy, and horses are happy, because they do it right. So do it like a horse. His beliefs uh, about so many ailments being caused by uh, subtle penis action weren't that far from widely held beliefs at the time. Most doctors thought you got, whatever, spina bifida for masturbating. He also, I picked one, I picked something. He also believed the shock of intercourse caused the brain to shrink and facial features to contract. Well, you're dehydrated. It's like having a bitter beer. Quote, that is why people get fat or thin after marriage. Because they're... Or they're fucking more. It's so becoming like emaciated? Well, they're becoming like Beetlejuice figures? Yeah, it causes the brain to shrink. And then I guess. So what they're fucking more and what that comes in them and then they expand. I don't think that's it. It's not a. Well, sorry, I've got a few wacky theories on this. Uh, you're among friends. And that is why people get bald and wrinkled and blind and deaf and pigeon-toed and epileptic and criminal and finally mad. It's amazing that all those people in his mind, he was like, "Well, you shouldn't have masturbated, old man." Look at you, you decrepit piece of shit. You're probably 30. Look at you now, you masturbating freak. Read the answer. It is an interesting... Now he's handing this insane shit out on the street while preaching, which landed him in a Melbourne court. He was charged with obscenity, both for what was in his pamphlets and for wearing the tunic. I'm on board with one of them. Yeah. But a few Melbourne intellectuals came to defend him. A... Uh, a William James Chidley Defense Committee was formed. While most people thought William was a total nutter, he did get a following of people who defended him from state persecution. He also started writing on what I'm going to call the Overseas Sex Correspondent Circuit. <laughs> so he exchanged letters with other people around the world, like English author and sex reformer and pioneering advocate of homosexual liberation, Edward Carpenter. He's corresponded with English sexologist Havoc Ellis, whose studies on the psychology of sex would later help change Western attitudes towards sex. Williamson That's Ellis like the first chat room, essentially. Yeah. He was just like, what do you guys think about the sphincter? They were like, oh. Oh, vacuum? Yeah. Talking about vacuum Mary? Yeah. Williamson Ellis written descriptions of his sexual experiences. So... It's porn. He's Wait, just, yeah. It, he's just right. Then I fucked her. It was so hard. Like, it's just porn. I was harder than a baby. <laughs> Guys, it's a callback. It's not an original thought. There's a difference. So don't whoa, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ellis would go on to use William's uh, descriptions in his study, but while Ellis believed sex was just part of life, Williams thought his sex theory would someday save the world from all the, quote, misery, disease, crime, and ugliness. State authorities, authorities were focused on shutting down all his fuck talk. In Melbourne in 1911, booksellers who sold this pamphlet, The Answer, were prosecuted on the grounds that there were sections of the book, quote, which would tend to deprave and corrupt the morals of any person reading it. The court ordered the destruction of copies. The next year, bearded and wearing only his Grecian-style tunic and sandals, 
William arrived in Sydney to spread his message. It went as expected. He was often arrested, sometimes just for wearing the tunic. <laughs> I mean, you, at some point you have to just change the outfit. I know. That like, like, this is a real problem. For like, me. at one point you have to be like, you know what, maybe I can get my message across. I'll get a suit. I'll wear a suit. I'll, I'll wear pants. pants. I'll put the whole thing together. I'll have a whole makeover. Yeah, I'll jump out of the old me in a tunic through some paper and be like, this is the new me. Now listen about William's buttholes. He's turned up in a sexy little frock and he's like, I'm going to tell people that fucking's wrong. What's on this week? Mardi Gras. Oh, no, I picked the wrong time. <laughs> uh, so he's getting arrested. French supporters would pay his fines and he'd get out immediately. This meant police couldn't do anything to prevent William uh, from continuing his sex street preaching, but they found other ways. Police threatened to prosecute any owner of a hall who leased him their premises. This meant William was just wandering the streets, carrying a bunch of pamphlets, offering them to people passing by for a small fee, though he did find other places to lecture, like in the Domain or the Botanic Gardens. In the gardens? Yeah, well, you go to the public place, right? Sure. What, what's, why do the gardens upset you? It's just that he's dressed like Caesar talking about fucking in a garden. It's a little... Knowing, him you, knowing him, you think he would have headed straight to Randwick. Like, hey, guys, look at these beautiful horses. <laughs> Local humor. Yeah. Pie face. I don't know. Oh, pie face. Pie face. Pie face. <laughs> I've got my local joke. It's more gambling. I could have said Eagle Farm, but then it wasn't Aaron Brizzy. Yes, thank you. Somebody with a problem down front. In August 1912, Sydney authorities became very concerned when William announced plans for a ladies only lecture. <laughs> Vacuums in there at once? You're creating a black hole! Look out! We can harness the energy. Create a stargate. Uncork on nine, ladies. Isn't that the end of Interstellar? Matthew McConaughey goes in there and. in five dimensions. <laughs> The powers that be gathered a large group of doctors who would attest to William's state of mind and arranged for William to be certified as insane and committed to the Callan Park Hospital for the insane. But people were not uh, pleased by this abuse of authority and they began and they made their position known. But leading doctors in the city continued to campaign for William's incarceration. They argued that he was, quote, suffering from paranoia. The superintendent of the hospital for the insane at Kenmore insisted that William was mad and ridiculed William's idea that coitus caused shocks to the brain. At the same time, he thought masturbation was the cause of insanity. Wait, the doctor did? Yeah, the guy who's saying... You're crazy! Yeah, you're crazy, but also the reason you're crazy is because of masturbation. Masturbating, listen, we have facts here, William, that will help us help you. Uh, a lot of the things you're saying are crazy, and it comes from masturbating. It's making your brain mad. And it's also a very Australian attitude as well, of like, this guy's a bit nuts, and then the cops are like, stop doing that, mate. And then we're like, fuck you, cops, don't tell him what to do. I like this bloke. Uh, then in late 1912, the courts also gave fines to several booksellers who stopped the answer. The booksellers fought back against the fines in court. Who's fighting this? They're like, no, this is important. <laughs> well, it's a free, now it's a free speech battle. They're like, I don't care what he's saying. He just people should be able to say it. 
Okay. I, I don't believe that this is a Victor thing, but a man should be able to say that specters cause vacuums. And what if they do? Who will be laughing when the Stargate's here, sir? I mean, it's amazing to think that in like his, like in his loony bit, at some point they'd just be like, "Oh my God, what have we done? I told you this day would come." Let him out, William, show us. We're gonna need a cork the size of the sun. And spaghetti. <laughs> Finally, his supporters went out. William Chidley was released conditionally on October 1st, 1912. The conditions were that he must dress in men's ordinary clothes, stop holding meetings in public places and uh, and to stop selling his book in the streets. Good news though, October 1st, time for some fucking. <laughs> William immediately put on his tunic. Okay. Started, hold, started holding meetings in public places All right. and sold his books on the streets. So as far as the rules go, he's listening. He was again arrested and declared insane on December 26th. For the same shit, dude. Double jeopardy. Yeah. I thought this meant that legally sphincters cause vacuums. What? Get back in here now. I'm in a dress. Oh, God. Uh, so he's arrested on December 26th and then released five days later. He was continually being harassed by police. William was charged with minor offenses like breaking the domain bylaws, offensive behavior, and street begging seven times in 1914 and eight times in 1915. His numerous fines were usually paid for by friends. These friends are enablers. What he needs is an intervention. You gotta create the bottom, right? The bottom? <laughs> the continued harassment, the continued harassment by authorities in Melbourne and Sydney led to a popular campaign for his defense. Socialists and radicals saw this as a this case as an important fight in the right to free speech. No. <laughs> there's many good, there's, there's, I agree, we all agree with free speech, but, I mean, this is a man in a tunic being like, don't let your penis get hard, and then jam it in her, and then you come. What am I, what, for what? For what, motherfucker? And it's, it's 1915. They could have just sent him off to World War One. Oh, there you go. And there's people over there, mate. Yeah, he's just like in, just in the bunker. Hey, have you guys jerked off recently? What? Huh? What are you talking about? Incoming! Oh God, that means they're flashing. Boy, that shrapnel really will hit your legs. I might want some pants. Yeah, dude. Uh, not all of William's backers were uh, from the left. Archibald Strong, a Melbourne conservative, thought treating either William or his book as obscene was, quote, a perfect absurdity. He testified for William in court in 1911. But most of the people who supported William did not endorse his horse sex message. Yeah, right there. I mean, like, if you're defending him, you're like, the one thing that we're having trouble yeah. with William is the... Uh, I'm a big fan of William, asterisk. Uh, Asterix the horse? No, William. Boy, he's got a hell of a dick. No! I have problems with the horse stuff, uh, the butthole stuff, um, the flaccid penis stuff. But besides that? Um, well, they're just not being able to get an erection stuff. Okay, yeah, right. We disagree on those points, but... 
That's all. That's all. Yeah. So other than that, we see the world eye to eye. You and me. There were a few feminists who liked his condemnation of a thrusting man. That would still hold true today, let's be honest. But most people defending him were defending the public discussion of sex and were strongly against locking someone up in an insane asylum for speaking their views on sex. Because how far was that from locking someone up from speaking the truth? Patrick Wright, one of the most important Australian writers, was just a child then. He remembered... William Chidley walking around Sydney, quote, dressed in his white tunic and looking jaunty enough as he passed along the street followed by a laughing, jeering mob. <laughs> that makes it hard to hand your shit out, right? Like, take me seriously. <laughs> hey, where fuck man? Uh, all right. It's not my name. Actually, if you look in the answer, you'll find some very interesting angles I'm working with. Ignore the mob. Society as a whole had pretty much decided a long time ago that William was a nut and that his theories about sex should be ridiculed. However, that didn't mean he should be arrested. Still, the New South Wales Labour government didn't know what to do about him. He was still getting a lot of public sympathy. Apparently, ridiculing Jer and jailing were quite different. And the government tried again. On February 16, 1916, William Chidley was found insane and committed to the Kenmore Mental Hospital at Goulburn. Goulburn. Goulburn? Yeah. What about the U? <laughs> just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just ignoring that? Just yeah. throw that vowel out? Yeah. Why do you guys have vowels? What about the you? Vowels? Right away. What about the you, motherfucker? This is you. Huh? Why you guys stash and use? You'll find out. It's like a threat. The United States has been bombed with yous! Oh, no! Oh, we have our eyes. The official Chidley Defense Committee, which in June, uh, in June uh, appealed to the Supreme Court. William was granted... Supreme Court? God, would be such a great... How do we find? Uh, too busy for this shit. Uh, what's happening? People say, like, before Facebook, the world was just better. No, it wasn't. Fucking crazy country in the Supreme Court. Uh, Talking about horse sticks. It was a terrible place. Technology's amazing. But this dude on Facebook, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I love what he posts. Check out this video of my rights being squashed. Well, hide. <laughs> Way was granted a leave of absence on bond with the usual conditions. <laughs> Yeah, right, yeah. Will, Will you, you listen? listen? No. <laughs> but William was William, and soon enough he was out addressing crowds in his tunic in the domain. I like the idea that any time he got released, they had to give him back all the stuff that he came in with. Don't wear this! Now these are, the, these are your pamphlets, and this is your tunic, your sandals, and we legally have to give it back to you. But then don't wear it anymore. I understand, no, I've learned my lesson. Don't do it again. You've been, we've told you you've been insane four times. I would never do that. These are all your possessions. I would this never do that again. This I would absolutely. <laughs> do you guys want to learn about why we're horses and our penises? Take this pamphlet. I'll see ya. I've learned so much from you. He's the real wild Bill. This guy. This guy properly doesn't give a fuck. 
Assuming he's out, yeah, assuming he's out addressing crowds in the domain, and according to the colonial secretary, quote, there was no feature of sexual intercourse on which he did not expatiate in order to prove that his theory was the only one that should be followed by the human race. He stated that if that theory had been adopted there, there would have been no war, the conclusion which I drew from that remark being that there would have been no Germans. You're not not right. <laughs> the colonial secretary then had him committed, uh, recommitted in September. The press and uh, parliament pushed for his release. His friends tried to get him deported to Canada or the United States of America. Good pals. In America, in America, you could have started a cold oh, heartbeat. Yeah, he'd have been in like on Venice Beach, and they'd be like, "Dude, you're awesome. You play guitar." <laughs> Uh, anything anyone tried to do was denied by the authorities. It all seemed pretty hopeless. The relentless government persecutions were clearly wearing William down. In September 1916, while in jail... <laughs> the idea that he's like, I mean, it's just... I don't know if I can keep doing it. You know, fight, <laughs> fight the good fight. I mean, I know I'm right. We all know I'm right. But how, how much will do I have? You know what? You write a lot of will. I can't do this. Women's sphincters are vacuums. Yes, yes, yes! Woo! I'm back, baby! <laughs> anyway, while in jail, William Chidley doused himself with kerosene and set himself on fire. Did like that, horses huh? do. <laughs> Like the horses do. Uh, this being William, uh, the fire was put out. He survived. <laughs> but uh, he appeared. Those to be tunics will really go up too. They want, they're like curtains once they're on. But he appeared to be done. His fight was gone. He died of heart disease three months later on December twenty first, nineteen sixteen. In the end, William Chidley caused real social change in Australia. One of his disciples was Norman Hare, a Sydney born doctor who had a prominent career as a sex expert. Britain and Australia from World War I until his death. His writings and opinions led to a breakthrough in the public discussion of sexuality in Australia. One of the last things William wrote was that he had, been an, he had had an unhappy life, but that he knew all of his misery had come from, quote, from that erection in boys and men. I mean, when you're leaving behind your life's document... I just love that he just before he dies is like it's all shit and obviously it's because I had boners <laughs> yeah this funeral you know uh, how do you eulogize William uh premise, but uh, I think that is true. It was really hard. And it shouldn't have been if everyone here had just sipped their sphincters up. So that's a normal guy from Australian history, huh? Yeah, that's one of your people. Seems pretty great. 
Who gets locked up for being insane five times? At some point, they're like, the six is free, Willie. You know? Keep bringing your card back and we'll stamp it. And then... But if you're trying to fuck with a soft penis, you're insane. <laughs> Honestly, I think... I've got that taboo. <laughs> I think that is true. I think out of, I mean, there's obviously many crazy things to vacuum, but the idea that you're like, my limp dick will come right away. Well, that's just not possible. So anyway, we're on Facebook, so tonight, ladies, when you go home, tighten your sphincter and let us know what happened. Um... <laughs> if there's one thing we all leave here tonight thinking about, I hope it's baby boners. I hope that. <laughs> what can't you hashtag from the show tonight? I think is the question. Hashtag baby boners. Crowbar, baby boners, baby boners, uh, sphincter vacuum. <laughs> sphincter vacuum. <laughs> Don't Google that. Oh, that's not what I thought. This is a three-part series in which we'll. That's, that's the t-shirt, sphincter vacuum. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Fosdeck will come up with something very... <laughs> uh, didn't we have a hell of a day with Fosdeck yesterday? Holy shit, the fucking... Tell him what you call him. James Fosdeck is the man who does uh, the art, you know, our art and our posters and stuff. And we went with him. Yeah, seriously, he's fucking awesome. You can buy one out there. Uh, they're really awesome posters. Yeah, uh, and uh, he's amazing. And we were in uh, his laboratory where he does all of his art. Yep. And, um, you know, we were hanging out. and uh, he, smoke, he smokes a pot. And, uh, <laughs> and we're sitting there. All, and all he, of it. And, and, he, and he's like, let's go... Let's go on a koala hunt, and we'll find a koala. Me and I were like, oh, sure. You what, know? we're like, seriously? Yeah, <laughs> and then he takes us on this walk, and he finds one, and we're like, what the fuck? And he knew everything. He knew everything in the park. He knew absolutely fucking everything. And so I said, No, tell him about the story that he told us first. Oh, he told us a story about a buddy of his. This is the most Australian thing we ever heard. A buddy of his, like, you know, was walking his dog or something. Oh, he hears his dog outside barking. Yeah, so he hears his dog barking, then he hears his dog sort of, like, you know, intermittently, like, and he's like, that's weird, that's not how a dog barks. And he looks outside, and a kangaroo, who the dog is barking at, is just sort of, like, drowning his dog. Holding it underwater in a pond. So his friend just fucking runs into his yard, jumps on the kangaroo's back with a knife, and slits the kangaroo's throat. And then I go, he slit his throat, and Foster goes, oh, yeah. He's drowned his dog. Oh, yeah. That's what we do here. That should, that should be on the 50 cent coin. Oh, honestly. Like, if you could elect that moment prime minister. So now what do you call Foster? <laughs> the Australian Lebowski. Because he's so fucking great. Greatest dude. Also, we should mention uh, Tickle. The documentary Tickle is out uh, now, and uh, we're in it briefly. But even if we weren't in it, we would say go see it. Oh my god, it's one of the greatest. Uh, it really is a, a fucking. It's, it's a unbelievably strange great. ride that we all gotta take. Um, and yeah, and then um, 
We, we uh, sign cars. Sign cars. Do we sign cars? Yeah, we sign cars. So yeah, we'll, we'll we're gonna do. Probably like an hour before we can sign. Yeah, a car, and then if you have a car you want us to sign it, we'll you know we'll meet you outside and like most normal people will sign your fucking car with a pen. Um, but we want to thank Nick Cody and we want to thank you guys for coming out. We really appreciate it. Here tomorrow night. We love you. Thank you very much. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.